Hello, welcome to Shadcast. It is March 13th, 2017, and I am broadcasting from my living room in Austin, Texas. Uh, oh, what a week it's been. Uh, I got some dates coming up with Deadeye, uh, 4-7, April 7th, The Parish. It's a Friday night on 6th Street, dirty old nasty zombie apocalypse 6th Street. And uh, then the 8th at Cottonwood, which is not like that at all. It's a nice little patio with a bunch of middle class folks and their dogs drinking fancy beers and uh, eating decent food. That's a free show, so come on out. We play uh, we play Grateful Dead music in that band. And uh, if you know it's good for you, you'll come listen, because Grateful Dead music is like vitamins for the soul. Um, had some uh, great meals this week that I'd like to talk about. Uh, there's a new place open called Maddie's at the Green Pastures, which is like this big plantation-style house in South Austin, uh, like a mansion, and has uh, a huge yard, white peacocks running around, uh, very nice staff of uh, people you may have seen working at other great restaurants. This is part of the La Corsia Group, which is uh, Archer Hotel, Boiler 9, Second Bar and Kitchen, and uh, there's a new inn up in Salado, I believe they're opening up, like Stagecoach? Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, uh, I talk about La Corsa Group a lot because they're just uh, they're just doing a great job here in Austin, showing everyone else how to run a restaurant, which is a very popular thing to do in Austin. It is open a goddamn restaurant. There are a ton of them, and they don't all last. So I take it upon myself to uh, eat at these restaurants before they close, which sometimes is hard to do, as we discussed on a few podcasts ago. Hudson's uh, closing down. Uh, I mean, we'd just gotten there, uh, you know, a few weeks before it closed. I mean, that's the window was was open for such a short period. It was like time bandits. You had to dive in there. But yeah, Maddie's took the wife and uh, had a mid midweek date night. Uh, since I play music a lot on the weekends, sometimes we got to get our dates in on the weekday. And uh, that's what we did. And so we go to Maddie's and... Uh, incredible hospitality. One of the guys I work with gave me a tour of the place. And upstairs, downstairs, each room has its separate vibe. It's very old school, and there's a fireplace in every room, and you know, fresh coats of paint, and it just looks sharp. Of course, with all of uh, La Corsia's wine list, you got Paula picking the wines, Paula Rester, and she is uh, just makes these fun lists. That are a blast to uh, to look through and and very carefully selected wines from all over the world with a kind of a lean on uh, old world wine, which is my favorite. You know, I gotta say personally, I drink French wine I, for the most part. I like German, and all, I like European wine, but you know, I'd say nine nine out of ten bottles I buy are from France. That night we had a uh, Alain Grayot. Crow's Hermitage, and that wine is incredible. I, I, I think I'd had his, uh, one of his other runs before, like a San Joseph or Cote Roti or something, but this was the Crow's, which is the affordable northern Rhone region. The rest can get a little pricey, especially at a restaurant, 
So, uh, but you know, I think you can get good wine for you know under fifty bucks at a at a restaurant. I think you can get great wine for under fifteen bucks in a sh in a shop. So, um, you know, if if someone's telling you you need to, to to cough up some serious cash for a great bottle of wine, it's just not true. Uh, and if you're not picky, then that's absolutely not true. Go to Europe. You know, go to the European section. Get your Spanish wine, French wine. You can get a nine ninety nine bottle of wine, Garnacha or some shit, and it'll be great. Uh, it's fruity and fresh and delicious. Anyway, this Crows was great. It was that kind of tart, poppy, you know, whole cluster, funky, you know, uh, acidic style of Syrah. That's uh, up in the northern Rhone. It's it's hundred percent hundred percent Syrah, excuse me. And uh, down south, you get a little more Grenache, and of course, they grow a bunch of whites. But I'm not that into Rhone whites. Much more of a red Rhone guy. But uh, the Rhone Valley is a place I visited, and it's uh, got these steep granite mountains over the Rhone River, and uh, just some some really great wine coming out of there. So, uh, yeah, Cote de Rhone has been a go-to of mine at restaurants. Again, you can get cheap wine for at restaurants that will do everything you need a wine to do uh, from Cote de Rhone. And it's generally like 30, 40 bucks on a list. So definitely budget-friendly. But the food at Maddie's was also great. We got, you know, as a pescatarian, I eat a lot of sides. So I just kind of ordered veggies and, and, uh, and sides. And the food was incredible, and uh, again, the service was spot on. Uh, very friendly, very attentive, but not too attentive. Um, if you hear my dogs uh, drinking in the background and walking around, I apologize. This is an amateur podcast. Anyway, so another uh, some other places I went. Uh, Taverna on uh, 2nd Street, downtown Austin, and that was a... Uh, decent Italian joint, very cool kitchen, like an open kitchen with all this this big copper uh, oven, uh, you know, big copper hood and pizza oven and uh, beautiful, beautiful kitchen. Nice and busy. I like seeing uh, restaurants busy in Austin because sometimes after the excitement of a new restaurant wears off, uh, the tables are empty and uh, there's like a honeymoon period with these restaurants. Whereas, you know, you take a place like Black Star Co-op for a while there, the, the line was always out the door. And then, you know, a year later after they've been open, uh, getting better all the time. Food's getting better, beer's getting better, but the lines are getting shorter. And now you can always find a place to sit. So I feel like Austin's a little fickle with its attendance of these restaurants. And uh, we've got a bit of the uh, recency effect going on. Recency bias um, but yeah, so Taverna has been open a while, um, and that was, that was some decent food. I got the eggplant parmigiana and a salad, uh, very tasty. And, uh, then we went back to, last week we also went back to, uh, Barlotta. That was, uh, it's my wife's favorite joint. I mean, every, every time I feel like I ask her what she wants, it's either oysters or, uh, or Barlotta. She loves the paella, as do I. You can get the noodle or the rice paella. And uh, the only thing I don't like about Barlotta, I've been there a bunch. I'm starting to get a little picky. Uh, but they, they do the whole shrimp 
And while I like the presentation of the whole shrimp, and I respect that, and it's very Spanish, when I lived in Spain, there was definitely a lot of uh, picking apart uh, shellfish. It's a mess. And these shrimps are like lava inside the shell. So I'm at the table, you know, and I, I, I got to say, I, I'm not a huge fan of getting my hands dirty. I've always worked uh, relatively clean jobs. You know, I'm not much of a man's man as far as getting out in the fields and lifting heavy shit and fixing things. So uh, anyway, I'm a bit of a pansy when it comes to keeping my hands clean. That ain't going to happen when you order uh, the sh any of the shrimp dishes at Barlotta. You're going to have to rip the heads off, rip the feet off, you know, de-vein it, pull the tail off. It's a goddamn mess. It's, uh, and so I end up using three napkins, going to the bathroom, you know, and then the got to, I don't know. It's just a little too much on the preparation side for me. Uh, you know, I feel like. It's one step removed from, here's an oyster, shuck it yourself. It looks good, but it's a pain in my ass. Uh, anyway, I still love Barlotta, and uh, we drank the, uh, we've been working our way through the wine list. We've probably drank most of the wines under 60 bucks. And I think on one of these podcasts, I was talking about Ribera Sacra and uh, that kind of northwestern part of Spain. Uh, there's uh, Canary Islands and Mallorca, all these fun places to, to drink wine from out of Spain these days. But this this time was uh, Bierzo. The wine was called uh, Bodegas Godelia Bierzo, which is a grape called Mencia. Or uh, if you're from Spain, Mencia. Put a little uh, lisp in there. Uh, but that wine, you know, usually Bierzo is kind of medium bodied and, and plucky and. You know, it's got the, a cer certain sort of Beaujolais freshness and mouthfeel, but this one was oaky and dense and a little extracted and reduced. Can't say I'm a huge fan. Probably not going to be ordering that wine again. Uh, the oak was just too much. So, a little bit bummed on the uh, my wine selection there. Usually beers, I was better than that. Uh, where else did we eat? Um, I guess that's pretty much it for dinners this week. Uh, I had some good lunches though. I uh, went to Monger's Seafood Kitchen. As a pescatarian, this is, I gotta say, you know, it's one of my favorite joints in town. There's a lot of great seafood restaurants here, even though we're so far from the ocean. Uh, I'm pretty sure everyone gets their seafood flown in same day these days. And we might even have a few Gulf Coast, you know, fish fishermen that uh, bring their, uh, their catch in to the farmer's markets and probably even work wholesale and uh, hit up all these sushi joints and uh, seafood houses uh, in the mornings because we do get fresh fish and uh, it's as fresh as, you know, uh, restaurants on on the water in Florida uh, or San Francisco. Uh, so anyway, Monger is really good. I got some, uh, they have the best fish tacos in town, which this is Taco Town, but these are the best fish tacos. And uh, I got some poke, which we now have several pokey restaurants and this is that Hawaiian raw fish, uh, marinated and served with rice and uh, yeah, pickled ginger and avocado and sesame seeds. Poke is delicious. If you've never eaten it, check it out. This I think 2016 was my first uh, ventures into poke, and uh, I went to uh, Poke Poke and Ola Poke, I believe is the other one. And those are incredible. 
Uh, but, you know, Mongers has got more of that sit-down restaurant fanciness to it. That goes a long way with me. Um, so, yeah, Mongers. Uh, June's All Day on South Congress. Uh, this is uh, our one female master sommelier in town, or in Texas, I believe. Oh, the, actually, there's two. There's June and Melissa Monosoff. So, June Rodel is uh, is the namesake behind this restaurant. She also runs the McGuire Mormon Hospitality restaurants, which are um, Jeffrey's, Josephine House, Elizabeth Street. You know, like I said, June's. There's another one, uh, Perla's, another great seafood house. Highly recommend. So anyway, what some of the best restaurants, and Jeffrey's might be the best restaurant in town if you like that French style. So uh, anyway, I went to June's all day, the newest edition in there, the restaurants, and had uh, just got veggies and rice, you know, grilled veggies and rice. So it was very simple, very affordable, fresh, delicious, uh, healthy. Had uh, some pad thai this week at a place called Thai Fresh, which again, super cool, local, small-time Thai joint in South Austin. Very f friendly, cozy you know, very Austin place. It was my first time to go, but the pad thai was incredible. And they do not leave the heads on their shrimps, their scrimps. So thank you, pad, uh, I mean, sorry, Thai Fresh for that. Uh, and then uh, Sunday, uh, which was yesterday, we went to a group of friends. We, we had a bachelor party this weekend and uh, finished up at Lucy's on the Lake, which is a fried chicken joint. It's the same group that owns uh, Olivia, which I think I mentioned them when I was talking about all the restaurant closures uh, in an earlier podcast. But uh, yeah, Olivia closed and became Lucy's on the fly or on the go or something. So you can just like drive by and they'll just throw fried chicken in your car and you can drive off, you know. Uh, ain't, no, ain't nobody got time to sit down and eat a bucket of chicken these days. Uh, but anyway, they do spicy chicken and uh, a lot of pickled things and uh, fried deviled eggs and uh, collard greens and sweet potatoes. So that was a lot of fun uh, going with a bunch of buddies. And the view, I mean, there's a huge patio at Lucy's on the lake and it overlooks uh, Lake Travis, I believe. And the lake's actually full right now and is, it's a great time to visit uh, one of these uh Places like the Oasis or Iguana Grill. Actually, Iguana Grill is closed now. But yeah, Lucy's on the lake. Uh, very cool. The original Lucy's fried chicken is on uh, South Congress. I've been there a hundred times back when I ate meat. Uh, this was the fried chicken joint. Yeah, I've been to a few others, but if you want fried chicken, Lucy's is a good starting place. Yeah, that, that bachelor party. <laughs> oh, still putting my brain back together from that. I, uh, yeah, I really went all the way with I, Bell's beer. I was talking about how Bell's came to town. Okay, so I had a bachelor party this week, drank my weight in Bell's beer, and it was, I gotta say, that that beer is so good. Such a classic. I mean, I could just drink it and drink it, and I never felt bad. You know, I woke up feeling fresh, even though, even though I woke up in a stairwell. Uh, in a sleeping bag, I uh, I felt great the next day, and um, I gotta say I, I attribute that to good good beer, well made beer, clean water, uh, balanced, just fun to drink. We were just crushing those. Am I right? 
or Amarillos and uh, their Bohemian Pilsners. And Jesus, what a delicious beer. I also had a crazy beer out there called uh, from Jester King. It's called Simple Means, and it's a farmhouse alt beer with smoked malt. And again, I talked about these smoky, funky, crazy beers on uh, episode three. Um, and again, this is not my style of beer, but it's cool to taste them. You know, for, for half a glass, uh, I enjoy it. But you know, after a while, these smoky beers just taste a bit like an ashtray to me. I gotta be, I gotta be honest, not my style. I, I'm looking for fresh, clean. Uh, crisp, refreshing with a with a hop edge, you know. It doesn't have to be hoppy as a Moylan's hopsicle, but it should. I I want to taste the hops. I want to smell the hops. Um, but anyway, I had some Jester King. Jester King's incredible. They uh, they use like native yeast and barrel programs, and uh, they're just right out outside of town in South Austin. And have a, lo a really nice facility, and they actually have a killer wine list. If you go out there, it's all funky ass, you know, Dresner wines and Rosenthal wines and Kermit Lynch wines. Uh, so everything they do is top notch, and just super impressed with that organization. Way to go, Jester King! Uh, as good for tourists as it is for locals. Uh, they also have some ciders and pizzas out there, so you can just kind of go out for the weekend and make a day of it. Uh, highly recommend Jester King visits. Uh, and then I had a Kangaroo Killer Pale Ale. This is a 5% ABV Pale Ale out of Conroe, Texas. A brewery called uh, Copperhead. Yeah, Conroe is like an hour outside of Houston. I think an hour north of Houston. And um, not terribly impressed with this beer. You know those beers, it takes a while to get through the six-pack. Yeah, that's the kind of beer this is. You know, there's nothing necessarily negative about it. It's just not begging me to keep uh, tipping them back. Uh, those are some of the beers I had this week, but mo mostly just gallons of Bell's beer at this bachelor party. What else? Oh, uh, speaking of cider, I got to take out uh, a bag full of cider today, uh, this week, and some of them were incredible. Most of them were good. I mean, cider's not my category, but... Uh, in France, there's two regions called uh, Brittany and Normandy. You know, Normandy's where D-Day was. And uh, they grow, I don't know, like a hundred species of uh, varieties of apples that are not for eating. They, they're just made into cider. Some of the brands were uh, Grandouet, uh, Minotier, which is organic, Domaine de Vergere, and Clofontaine Hugo. I think you can get those at Central Market right now. Uh, and hopefully the place I visited, Witchcraft, brings them in. Cool little beer store on South Lamar. I uh, had some, some other great wines I haven't talked about. Uh, Dandy Rosé, my friend Ray Wilson, who I've worked with for over a decade, uh, is a winemaker, and she makes my favorite Texas wine, which is a Sanso-based uh, rosé made in a Provencal style. And it's just fresh and brushy and acidic, uh, very intense and delicious, um, and uh, Sunday morning we were drinking that yeah, as a, it, in the shambles, the, the fallout after the bachelor party, it seemed like a good time for rosé and bubbles. I also had some Mercat Cava, 
which is one of the driest kavas I've had and best values. Um, kavas in our book. Um, I got to take out a whole bag of Gruner Veltliner, which is a white grape from Austria. So my favorite being Domain Ott and Brundelmeier. Uh, those are both great ones. We also have a new one called Staggard that I enjoyed as well. Uh, you know, Gruner, the cheap ones are okay. You know, they're fresh and acidic and uh, dry and good with seafood. But once you get into the $20 and above retail Gruners, you really get nice mineral and like rindy, you know, funky fruit, like almost vegetables sometimes, like peas, you know, like snow peas, snap peas. Um, but just a, a, a great white wine to go with. Uh, shellfish, oysters, uh, see any seafood really. Uh, so yeah, I would say my favorites were uh, Domain Ott and Brundlemeyer. Uh, I also got to try these new Spanish guys at, at Telmo Rodriguez from Rioja. Uh, this guy makes French style wine in Rioja, and you know traditional Rioja is very oaky, very uh, very uh, reduced. And has that kind of dill pickle American oak character that I just am not into at all. I'm not a Rioja guy. Uh, they focus too much on you know the oak programs and the aging, how long they age it, versus um, you know kind of how they are in Ribera del Duero, where it's all about the the terroir and uh, and minimal m manipulation. You know, like no oak. And uh, yeah, this Telmo character makes some great Riojas. They're brand new to me. Um, so anyway, highly recommend those as well. Uh, we finished up the week. Uh, here we are in uh, South by Southwest, which is our music festival down here. And that means that there's going to be uh, hordes of out-of-towners in town wandering around. Um, you can pick them out because they, they generally are wearing badges or wristbands and they uh, are starry-eyed and taking in all this beautiful city. Little pop-up venues and pop-up restaurants everywhere. You know, all of a sudden every square block has two, three venues. Uh, for And they'll cram a band in there and they'll promise them exposure. And sometimes they'll even charge the bands to play again for exposure. And generally speaking, you don't get exposure. You just play for free, and you you can't park. You, you know, you need a drone to get into the venue because there's no parking, and uh, there's people everywhere. It's a total shit show, and uh, it happens every year. There's it's interactive, and then like films and kind of media folks. Uh, I know Nerdist has been here all week. And, uh, and then the music happens. And once the music gets rolling about midweek, I mean, you can just you can walk down the street downtown and hear 40 different bands uh, in a mile's uh, walk. Hunt for that exposure that South By promises. This year we went to the uh, Austin Music Awards, the 35th annual. They just moved it from, I think, the convention center over to the Moody Theater. Uh, which I think I've mentioned on this podcast is uh, before maybe the best theater in town. You know, there's the Bass and Paramount and 
uh, Irwin Center and, you know, uh, the 360 Amphitheater and this place and that place. But Moody is really, you know, uh, my ideal uh, venue. It's all black in there, great drinks, uh, great acoustics. Just the vibe is perfect. The temperature's nice. It's new. Uh, the backdrops are nice. The stage is big. And uh, everyone brings their A game in there. They do the ACL tapings, uh, Austin City Limits tapings in there. But uh, this, this Austin Music Awards seemed to focus on women, and the women in the music scene, women performers, and, uh, and kind of like outlaw country or country music. So we got performances from uh, Carolyn Wonderland, the Trishas, which I think one of the Trishas recently I heard uh, was at a farmer's market and some car uh, screaming through. Uh, and she and this Trisha, I think her name's Trisha. I assume all their names are Trisha, even though I know that's not the case. Uh, but yeah, this uh, Trisha in particular uh, got hit with a car and like lost her leg. And uh, luckily, her kid, I think she was with her child, and the child did not get hit. But uh, what a freak occurrence, just reminding you that chaos reigns, and you're never safe. Uh, because, you know, here she was doing a good thing, going to the farmer's market, looking out for her health, and bam, hit with a car. Total nightmare. Uh, she sings like an angel, beautiful woman, um, getting helped on stage, on and off stage. But uh, she really sings like an angel. And it was an honor to see those ladies sing. Their harmonies are silky, silky. Uh, and then we had uh, Carolyn Wonderland with her, you know, bluesy caterwauling and her Fender Stratocaster. Another woman who's had some uh, hard times out there. Um, she had all of her gear stolen on tour. Uh, oh, poor old Carolyn. I've been seeing Carolyn Wonderland for 20 years, 15, 20 years. Uh, one of the best blues ladies in town. And uh, she's always on tour. You can usually catch her. Uh, and then we heard Kat Edmondson, who's the... Uh, um, she looks like Tinkerbell, and she's got this cute little voice and uh, really jazzy. She does some bossa nova music and some lounge music and, and some kind of showy jazz music. And I've always wanted to see her, and it was exciting to see her up there. And uh, she was joined for one song, maybe two, by Lyle Lovett, who I still can't believe was married to Julia Roberts, um, but is just one of those, you know, gentlemen, class act, gentleman, uh, great singer. He's got that smirk, you know, uh, and his voice was 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 nice and deep and, and soulful and they sang uh, If I Needed You by Towns Van Zant. Uh, Towns was, I think they gave, the, the big award was like called, I think it's called the Towns Van Zant Award and they awarded that to Terry Allen who's from Lubbock, like my wife. So she was excited to see him. He's a, uh, he's kind of outlaw country, uh, old schooler. He's 73 now, still plays great. Uh, great thing about music is, you know, you can pick it up when you're young and play in a garage with your buddies and then, you know, end up being, you know, 60 years later on stage uh, getting, you know, some Lifetime Achievement Award. So, uh, anyway, that guy was an inspiration. Uh, oh, but the, all the ladies, 
their big performance piece was uh, with a little help from my friends from Sgt. Pepper. And uh, that song is incredible. I forgot how big those harmonies are, but it was a joyous, you know, it was a big joyous sound coming off that stage. A lot of smiles, a lot of tears, just feeling the love in that room. Uh, God, I love the Austin music scene. It's so exciting. It's why I moved here, and it's why I remain here. Very excited to be a part of that scene. So yeah, with a little help from my friends, and if I needed you, to very touching uh, performances last night at the Austin Music Awards. And then I watched the disappointing Walking Dead. I gotta say, that show used to be so uh, much better. You know? I, uh, I just feel like they've lost their way. They need some new writers. It's just not as scary anymore. And uh, the, the dialogue is bullshit. And, uh, you know, I was complaining last week that there's uh, very little zombie gore anymore. You know, people getting um, ripped apart by zombies. That, uh, how is that not, you know, that should be a cornerstone of this show. Why am I begging for this? Let's get it together. I mean, do, I think that show started with Frank Darabont as a showrunner. And now they have uh, this other guy. Yeah, I just don't think uh, that they're capturing that movie vibe, you know, that kind of, uh, you feel like you're there when you see a show, and I can't really put my finger on it, but it used to have this cinematic intensity and this this depth and this seriousness that uh, it's just kind of silly now. Uh, even though the zombies still look great, everything else sucks. But I still watch it every week. I don't know what, what my deal is. I can't quit you, Walking Dead. Please get your act together. I think they're building up for a big scene where they kill the big bad guy, uh, Negan, at the end of the season. I hope they do. You know, they're If they give us another cliffhanger like last season, I'm going to be bummed. But, yeah, that's, uh, that's my week. That's the podcast. I will play us out here with some Dark Star action from the Cottonwood. Uh, this, this performance was from January this year and I hope you enjoy Thank you.